This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Welcome to Speed City. With John Massengill, Les Kaiser, and Jonathan Green. It's the fastest hour on the radio, Speed City. Good evening, gearheads. Welcome to Speed City. This is John Massengill, and that's Jonathan Green, Les Kaiser. How's it going, boys? Rock and roll. Back in the here. the fish. <laughs> well, it feels good to be back on the show. And I'm very excited because we got a great show, man. We got Colin Edwards live. We got Brian Redman. Great, great job with that, Jonathan. Thank you. Yes, we have a legend of motorsport talking about the legend that we lost last week, uh, Sterling Moss. So an interesting perspective. And as always, with Brian Redman, some funny stories. And Les Kaiser's in his garage. Uh, he's going to uncover some motorcycle for us. So you can do that tonight, Les. Oh, no. No, not with Colin on. No way. <laughs> By the way, we do have a two-time world champion on the show because he is going to ease your troubled waters with both his humor, his Texas fun, and he's going to tell you what to watch while you're bored. Well, I say we bring that man on right now because I hear from the producer that we got him. So we want All to right. welcome, welcome back to Speed City. Like you said, two-time world champion. Texan Colin Edwards. Hey, Colin, welcome back to the show. What's going on, fellas? You got me loud and clear. Hey, yeah, how, are you? how are you? Good. Yeah. Uh, to, honestly, I'm bored as hell. But uh, you know, I think we're all kind of just uh, uh, held up in the house and doing a bunch of nothing uh, today. I I still have my pajamas on. I still got my slippers on. So um, yeah, yeah. Been watching movie after movie. Hey, have you still got lots of bikes and lots of guns? <laughs> still got lots of bikes and lots of guns. I'm buying more ammo as we speak, because you never know. Can I come down? <laughs> Can I come down and stay? <laughs> hey, you know, Jonathan, you know our pact. If it all goes to hell, just come and protect the castle at boot camp. You get the west you know corner, it. I'll get the north corner, and we'll um, we'll survive. The west corner? That's where, That's the closest to Conroe. Uh, well... You can pick whatever corner you want. Just bring okay, food okay. when you come. <laughs> I got, I'll bring food and beer. There you go. <laughs> there you go. Well, hey, Colin, we wanted to get you on the show and talk about this uh, this movie, man, on Netflix. That's pretty awesome. Yeah, you know, the weird thing is I've, I've seen the little teaser. I saw the first couple opening lines, and I've been – yeah, I say I'm bored. I've been so – dang busy uh but i actually haven't watched the whole movie i've watched probably 15 minutes of it and then uh, kids wanted something i uh, went anyways i haven't seen the whole thing yet but uh yeah the opening line was uh was pretty special <laughs> you can't I guess. say that one <laughs> <laughs> well colin i came across it uh, a week and a half ago and what i loved about it is people get to really get a taste for what it's like inside a racer's mind with you speaking about things. And uh, it's a very different take than we usually hear on these kind of movies and documentaries. Yeah, it is. And you guys know me. I've always told you exactly what I'm feeling when I've been feeling it and with no sugar. And basically, yeah, I think that's to win a world champion. You have, you have to have a certain mentality. And if you don't have that mentality and you're, you don't don't even go to the races. Yeah, it's very true. And Colin, you know, I was with you for most of your career. And I mean, you know, at awe of all of you guys, Bayless the lot. Um, but what amazed me is what sets you apart. And there was some psychologists and some doctors on that uh, documentary. What sets you apart from the rest of us is your trust in, or, or maybe your belief, both in your own abilities, but also 
the belief of the people that prepare your machinery and put you out there because you have to have total faith that there is everybody doing their job so that you don't have loose nuts or loose screws um, and the bike falls apart. I mean, that's what gets me. I, I, I think that's where, you know, mere mortals like myself, you know, go a different path uh, to people like you. Yeah, no, and honestly, you're absolutely right. You know, I've been on teams where you can come from last place and finish third, and they're like, good job, give you a pat on the back. But it's those elite teams that if you don't win the race, nobody's partying. You know, I mean, it's as simple simple as that. Don't get too high when you're high. Don't get too low when you're low. We're all always coming back next week, and you have to have a good team for that. Yeah, Colin, I loved listening to what you said about – what what was going on in your head? Like Les was saying, but the way you were saying, like, you 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 have no interest at all in second place or anything beyond that, and you believe that you can win every time you're out there. I think that's one of the one things that stuck with me through that. Yeah, and I honestly I went through a little bit of a moment, uh, ninety three, ninety four ish, uh, where I was still learning. I mean, hell, I, I was only you know nineteen twenty at the time. And, there was a point where I started to think maybe third was okay, or I'm doing everything I can. And it, it took a moment in time for me to kind of change my perspective on, on the sacrifices I was making. Uh, my family was making that we were, and, and the things I had to do. And it was basically a mental thing and just decide at that moment, Hey, third, second is not good enough. I mean, a lot of people have sacrificed a lot to get me where I'm at and, and winning's kind of the only thing. Was it always that way? Well, like I said, I mean, motocross days, you know, you're back when I was a kid, you know, four to 14 growing up. Yeah, I wanted to win, um, but it wasn't that killer. I don't think I had that killer attitude at that time. It, it took that 94, you know, 1994, I kind of developed it and understood it. And even when I went to Europe, I mean, 95 was a hard year. 96 was a hard year. 97, I basically broke up and sat out all year. So kind of had to reassess this situation yearly as it went on. But uh, 98 gained some momentum, 99 again, and uh, and then started believing in myself once again. Well, what about oh, these, these young kids? Was there anything kids? in your head that snapped that got you moving again and got you engaged again? It sounded like you kind of wandered a little bit, and then, and then you got it back in gear. Well, I mean, any time that you, you go four races, you know, I think 90, uh, sorry, uh, 97. It was my third year with Yamaha. We've been struggling for two years, Dunlop tires. I mean, we weren't really that competitive at the moment. Uh, but then, you know, uh, that, that 97 year, I was uh, taken out at uh, Monza and basically had two knees uh, reconstructed, uh, wrist. I had a whole bunch of stuff done, and I was out the whole year. So trying to find a ride, uh, which luckily Kaczynski went to back to Grand Prix. I took his ride at uh, Castro Honda, and from that point on, it all gelled. But it was that little moment in time to where we were just like, "Wow, we done all this, and my career might be over. I gotta gotta find a ride here." So once you kind of get that second lease on life, uh, things can change pretty dramatically. You start you start to not take anything for granted. Oh, well, the thing I noticed in the um, – sorry, John. You... I was just going to say the name of the movie is Speed is My Need. And it's on Netflix is where you can watch it right now. Yeah. What, what, one thing I didn't notice, and we've talked about this, and I've noticed it at the boot camp because you have uh, an array of really good friends who are, happen to be not only your good friends, but they happen to be in their own right very good motorcyclists um, from different walks of life. But, but you all have the same innate ability to put – um, any danger aside, whatever, even whether you're doing just small motocross, because I've seen broken arms and broken wrists at the, at the boot camp, uh, and I don't think, again, I put myself in the mere mortal thing, we are still, when we're doing the boot camp, we're aware of, of our mortality, as it were, and we're more worried about the emotions getting involved and getting kind of uptight a little bit. And you've often said to me, relax, relax, relax. But it, it's, if, if you're not you know if you don't have that same kind of innate way of just going about it you were saying in the movie i you know the speed doesn't bother me everything slows down and i get that because i've done 200 miles an hour and i know what you mean but it's being willing to go that fast and being prepared to put your life on the line yeah and it's a risk reward thing and you can say if you look at it as in risk reward as in you're risking your life to make money that's not 
actually the correct analogy. Uh, risk, reward being when you're wired the way we are, there's only one thing that's going to make you happy, and that's going fast and risking a lot and adrenaline pumping. We're a different breed, man. I, I, that's the only thing I can say. I get on a motocross bike nowadays with haze, and I don't even think about it. I mean, I'm almost, I'm four years shy of 50, and I'm hitting all the doubles he's hitting and hitting them. But I don't think of, man, what if I just clip this? I could end up and break my back. You know, I'm just thinking out loud, but I don't think of that. I just have to have this. There, I'm not as bad as I used to be. You hadn't been here in a little while, Jonathan. I'm, I'm tank, a lot more tamer than I was. <laughs> but good. Without, without that outlet, that adrenaline. Without that, I mean, that it, it is. It's not like this sitting here on the couch all day. It's not for me. Yeah, I can't do it. Yeah, yeah. I get well, Colin, that. how did, how did the movie come to be? I don't know, to be honest with you. Um, I know they, they came to the camp, obviously. Uh, that's where we're doing it. And then and it was uh, might have been James Ellison uh, from England. But, and, but it was one of his friends where it said they were making a movie. Hey, do you mind doing this and sitting down for a few minutes? No problem. So we just sat down and went through a whole bunch of different things. I had no idea, honestly, that it was going to come out as this uh, this movie. Well, it's a really entertaining movie. I sat down to watch it, and and I was doing some uh, some show prep, and I ended up putting everything aside and watching the movie. So it's a pretty entertaining movie. I mean, and I say that as a race fan, but I think anybody would enjoy the movie as well. Hey, you know what? I'm gonna watch it tonight. I'm gonna watch it tonight. <laughs> I got the kids. We got we got all the stuff to watch it. So I'm gonna sit them down and we'll watch it tonight. Just kind of delete the first line. <laughs> yeah, there's yeah. a good-looking fella at the top of the show. He, he swears a lot, but he's a he's a, he's okay. <laughs> what you been doing? You know, I, what what, what advice have you got for us? We, we've come to you, uh, oh great one, to tell us what to do during this shutdown. Hey, I tell you what, I tell you what, and this is this is not a word of a lie. It's gonna be Hayes, my son. He's he's fourteen. There is gonna be a moment in time when he's gonna be on top of the box somewhere, and he's gonna say. I want to thank my mom and dad. I want to thank all my sponsors. And I want to t thank COVID-19 for making me fast as hell because the kid is seriously <laughs> shredding right now. I mean, he picked up motocross six months ago and he's doing stuff that is just, it, his, he's got a vertical vertical leap. He's just gone straight up. We've just been riding every day. And uh, he's having fun with it. You know, I got burnt out of motocross when I was 14. It was too much work. Uh, went over to road racing. He just started at 14. So I'm, I'm really excited for that. <laughs> Colin, how old is he? You say he's 14. 14. Okay. Yeah. yeah I, rem I had a, I had a motocross uh, track in my backyard because I lived on a ranch, but I don't think it was as cool as the uh, as the dirt camp as the boot camp though. No, I mean you know honestly we've never had a motocross track at boot camp. Uh, we've always had to go down the road to the local tracks. But uh, I got to looking around a few months ago and I was like, heck, we got a bulldozer and skid steer, may as well get to work. And uh, dug a little pond, found some dirt, and uh, I've been sitting on a dozer I don't know how many hours a day for the last few months. Skid steer tractor dragging disc and you know doing what you would do for your kid hey colin i got bad news for you my dad's theory is that when when you have a famous kid like yours and he does get to the top of the box he will actually only thank his mom it's just, it's just <laughs> uh, dad, you know what that's that's probably true <laughs> <laughs> Well, Colin, I was actually just speaking to somebody about the boot camp uh, last weekend and explaining what it is and my experience. And that was the whole thing where, you know, the first time you invited me over, I had already been riding motorcycles for 40 plus years, coming in thinking, I got this. Hmm. By the end of the, by lunch, the first day there, I had a new rev revelation, remembering all these things I had forgot when I learned, and I learned a whole lot more. And so I, I told, the guy that's talking about bringing his son, I said, no, you need to get, be part of it too, not just your son. Tell us a little bit about the curriculum uh, that you run currently. Yeah, I mean, obviously right now, as you know, everything's shut down. We've had to kind of push back things, but the boot camp is, uh, is definitely special, honestly. And we didn't, 
I'm not sure we we knew exactly what it would morph into. Um, we just knew that dirt track and feel, uh, throttle control. I mean, all these things are uh, special on the, the bikes that we use, the TTR 125s, the Yamahas, and it's low risk, but it's it's high learning, let's say. So, I mean, you tip it over, you pick it up and go again. Um, but it's we didn't realize what it's going to turn into. We just thought, let's go and do it and try them. We, then we started perfecting our te technique, how to start, where to start throughout the day's teaching level. And like I said, we have six different instructors. Uh, we go from the very beginner, which we love. The, very, the Nobody that's ever been on a bike, they have no bad habits. So we get to start from scratch uh, all the way up to pros. So it doesn't. It's uh, it's a good time, and all the barbecue and the food and the late nights and having a few beers and telling a bunch of war stories that get bigger and better by the years. It's uh, it's good. It's a fun time. It is a fun time. Hey, for those of you who don't know, Colin's doing still doing a lot of MotoGP, but he's doing it for BT Sport in the UK. So you keep your finger on the pulse. What do you, I mean? If we ever do get this season started, what do you think about the Marquez brothers together? Yeah. Yeah, should be interesting, you know. And honestly, I don't know, man. I, it, it, it's, it sat weird with me. Both of them being brothers on the same, you know, let's say one of the best teams, if not the best team. Um, but in the end, I think it's going to be interesting. Um, I know they did bring out a new, was it a new Michelin rear? I think they brought out that uh, the Honda didn't like too much as far as in testing, and looked like the Suzukis and the Yamahas liked it a lot. I was actually looking forward to the, to the season to get started, but you know, if it's not uh, next week or next month, we'll uh, we'll see what we, we can do. And if, if it's totally canceled, that'd be a bummer. Uh, but maybe we could get a short, abbreviated one. I did see something on Twitter, and it was like, I don't know, November one was Qatar, and then November twentieth was uh, Valencia. They had like every single day in there was was all the different races. You know, everything postponed, but. Obviously, that's not going to happen, but it was fun. Well, Colin, we appreciate you coming on, buddy. We uh, we got to go to break. We thank you for coming on. We'll uh, go enjoy the movie that we've already watched that is stars yourself. You're actually in this thing a lot more than you might realize. So go enjoy it with uh, the family, buddy. All right. Cool, guys. Hey, good to, good to talk to you all. Y'all be good. I'll be down all right. soon. All, all right. right. Thanks, Colin. Yeah. Thanks, Colin. You got it. All right, well, let's go ahead and take a break, guys. You're listening to Speed City. We're live in Austin, Texas, and stick with us because we have some really great guests for you. we got Brian Redmond coming on soon. So listen to Speed City back after these messages. Winding Road Racing is a leading provider of road racing and performance equipment at each of our locations in Texas, California, Georgia, and Kentucky. But we know some racers want that same high-quality gear, customer service, and pricing without leaving home. Check out the online store at windingroadracing.com. It's got all the same high-quality brands you've come to know us for. Alpine Stars, Stilo Helmets, Chill Out, and AIM Data Systems, all available at great prices and delivered directly to you with free shipping. Log on now, windingroadracing.com. As a rider, you know what you like. The power, the feel, the ride. When it comes to gear, you know what keeps you safe. Ducati Austin provides riders with the finest in day and easy leathers. The best the market offers. Visit Ducati Austin on Breaker Lane just east of I-35 and throw your leg over the most iconic sports bike ever built. Ducati. Even take it for a test ride or see what's been described as art on wheels from MV Augusta. You know what you like. See it at Ducati Austin. Online at DucatiAustin.com. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. 
I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Talk 1370, the right choice. You are listening to Speed City. Woo! Welcome back to the fastest hour in radio, Speed City. All right, welcome back to the show. This is John Massigal, that's Les Kaiser. And Jonathan, I don't know what's... Is that your, your PPE? He has way too much time on his hands. <laughs> Poor fish. <laughs> hey, uh, named after you, Les. There you go. Hey, boys, I want to talk about some. Uh, we know we've got uh, we've got a really great interview that Jonathan did with Brian Redman, and and uh, and and also I want to talk about all the esports that happened this weekend. But I think I want to go to the interview you did with Brian Redmond, Jonathan. We'll talk about your relationship with Brian and and talk about Brian first, because you know he's going to talk about Sterling Moss, who a lot of people know. But Brian's a pretty much a legend in his own right. Yeah, we've got two two videos I'd like to show you. One is an interview I did with Brian because Brian is one of the few motor racing drivers left, and I don't mean that to sound, uh, but it's true uh, because they're dropping him sadly. But he has he has gone across. Uh, he started racing in 1959 and raced at the very highest level, Formula One, World Sports Cars, Le Mans, uh, won Sebring twice, won uh, Daytona twice, won the um, Targa Flora, uh, did Le Mans 14 times. Um, he's a, he's a, a badass. He's a legend. Um, he's also my dad's best friend growing up in Burnley. That's where he's from. Um, he was my dad's best man at his wedding. I was his son's best man at his wedding. So we're very close, um, but we're not related. But I, I've always called him my Uncle Brian. Um, and he, I guess, was the reason I even got the, uh, the bug to like motor racing. My dad took me to Brands Hatch when I was about three. I was scared to death. But Brian was racing in Formula 5000 at that point and taking on the very best. Uh, and he uh, certainly came across the likes of Sterling Moss, um, Fangio, and all the rest of it. So he's one of the few men left alive that has seen motor racing um, come and go and seen its good times and its bad times, but he's lived through all of it, and he's still racing in vintage racing <laughs> to this day. So, yes, of course, naturally, when Sir Sterling Moss passed um, passed away last week, I quickly called him and said, you've got some memories of Brian Ribbon, and he gave me them. Quite early in my racing uh, career, you know, 19, I started in 1959 at Ruffeth, near York, and round about that time, there was North of England uh, airfield circuits, really, you know, full Sutton, and there were like four or five of them, Croft. And, uh, and so the Scottish uh, teams were coming down to the North of England. It wasn't too big a drive for them. So that's where I first saw uh, Jim Clark. And so he, really, he was my uh, hero. And of course, Sterling was as well, and Fangio, but I'd never really met them or knew them, you know, but I knew Jimmy quite well, and we raced together in Formula 2 in 1967, and so he was my greatest hero, but of course, Sterling was above everybody. And when I went to the London Motor Show, I was probably about 16 or 17 with uh, Dad, so that would have been 1955, you know, something like that. Well, at the London Racing Car Show, they had a a reaction tester, you know, it was a little box and a man, and you had to press a button, you know, when a light flashed or something like that. But anyway, I go in and do that. He says to me, second only to Sterling Moss, lad. <laughs> so he's doing a sales job. So, of course, you know, everybody knew of Sterling. I mean, Sterling actually retired, you know, due to the accident at Goodwood around 1962, you know, which was very early. 
but still, you know, his fantastic uh, drives, especially the Mille Mille in 1955, one with Dennis Jenkinson, who I also knew quite well because he covered all those late 60s uh, long distance races when I was driving for Porsche uh, for a few years. But anyway, uh, yes, the great, great character. And you probably heard the uh, story of when he and John Surtees were testing at Goodwood. And John was just changing from bikes to cars. And so there's a very fast corner there, Fordwater. I think that's where Sterling actually had his accident. But, uh, but John Surtees said to him, hey, Sterling, old chap, he says, how do you take Fordwater? And Sterling said, absolutely flat, old boy. So when John got back, having done multiple spins uh, coming around Fordwater, he said to Sterling, hey, Sterling, mate, I thought you said Fordwater was flat out. And Sterling said, you didn't actually believe me, did you? <laughs> so I actually first met him in uh, 1967. Uh, I first saw him in 1955 when uh, he won the British Grand Prix at Aintree driving a Mercedes. Uh, in fact, Mercedes finished first, second, third and fourth. And uh, Fangio was second. and. Uh, uh, but just to, like with three laps to go, he was a long way behind. And then in the last three laps, he closed right up and they crossed the start finish line, the finish line, with Fangio like half a car length behind. And uh, about five years ago at Amelia Island, I said to Sterling, uh, of course, I had a glass or two of wine, I said, Sterling, old chap, um, do you think Fangio let you win uh, the British Grand Prix in 1955? And he said, do you know, old boy, I've often wondered about that. <laughs> so, I first met him uh, at the Nürburgring, 1967, and I'd gone to practice for the thousand kilometres. And I'd taken, I was driving for David Bridges from Garstang in Formula Two, and I'd borrowed his Vauxhall Cresta to go and practice at the Nürburgring. And well, it did about half a lap. And the brakes were completely gone, you know, so I was really wandering around in the pits doing nothing. It was pretty quiet. And suddenly this BMW 1600 drew up and uh, the driver leant out of the window and he shouted, want a ride round, old boy? And it was Sterling Moss. And so I got in the back seat and my first real sort of flying laps around the Nürburgring were with Sterling in the back of a BMW 1600. So let's just get this straight. The hardest circuit in the world, the Norschleifer, the green hell, your first time there, and the man who stops to pick you up to show you around is one of the greatest drivers of all time. Um, tell me what it was like to be in the presence and watching the driving style of one of the greats like Sterling, because obviously um, you knew all about him growing up in England, uh, having gone to Andrew and so forth. Um, was it, was it a, an amazing experience? Well, it was, but I was so busy trying not to slide from one side of the back in the car, you know, to the other, that I didn't see a lot of the track. <laughs> and of course, in those days, you know, there were no barriers and no curbs. It was all hedges. And the owner of the car that I was supposed to drive, Peter Sutcliffe from Huddersfield, the mill owner, uh, with a GT40, um, he said to me, uh, Brian, he said, I want you to remember two things. And I said, yes, Peter. And he said, uh, the first is, this is my car. So I said, uh, yes. And he second, uh, you've seen all these little hedges around the track? I said, yes, yes. And he said, just remember that underneath them is a hundred feet of truck. <laughs> That's brilliant. Going back, I just, I mean, it's funny because in a lot of the accolades and a lot of the talk this week, um, it's been about um, Targa Floria, which you won, um, uh, Mille Milia, which I know you took part in. But that effort with uh, Dennis Jenkinson um, when he won Mille Milia, um, I think the average speed was something like 97 miles an hour. Uh, you raced that race. Tell me, tell me why that is so significant in the history of motorsport, because... That's an incredible speed, but I think it, 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 unless you've been on that, that, that course or that, that 
endurance race, you have no idea what it takes. So just give us an insight into racing around Italy. Well, unfortunately, I never, I never raced the, the real Mille Emilia. I did the retrospective one, which is like a tour, really, and did win the Targa Florio, of course, which was the last of the great long-distance road races. The Targa Florio was about 44 miles uh, to one lap, with about 750 corners per lap. Uh, but the Mille Emilia was unbelievable. It's like a thousand miles uh, from Brescia to Rome and back again, you know, on public roads. And, uh, you know, Dennis Jenkinson, they uh, had done an amazing job of detailing the route, every inch of it on a thing like a toilet roll that he could pull down, you know, fast right with signals like this, because, of course, they wouldn't have had any earphones or anything like that. And so, I mean, it was absolutely astonishing the whole thing now Dennis Jenkinson sometime later played me a great compliment because somebody said to him you know would you like to do the Mille Mille in a Porsche 917 <laughs> and uh, you know would you like Joe Siffert or Pedro Rodriguez to be your driver and he said no he said I'd like Brian Redman he said because that way we'd finish the race <laughs> <laughs> that's great well, look, I mean, one of the things that, um, again, you know, the, 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 the current generation obviously don't know that much, especially here in America, perhaps, although I know that Sterling played a big part in Can-Am um, during it, and, and as an ambassador for motorsport, because he did retire fairly early. Um, and so I'm sure you, you came across him at the BRDC events and, and obviously a lot of um, historic events. But tell me a little bit about the man, because we know, well, to tell me two things. One, everybody talks about his smooth style of racing, so I'm always uh, interested to hear what you saw in his racing. But also, um, he's, he's known as the gentleman racer, as being, you know, available to all. And I even have my own stories. He gave me a break in motor racing at one point. But um, what was he like, you know, as a person? And what did you think of his, his driving style? Well, I mean, he, he was so incredibly competitive, as we've discussed, and he had that little bit extra, which some drivers do, you know, there are not that many in the, a particular era that have that little bit extra, you know, it's what we're talking about on a normal two-mile circuit, they're a second faster or even less, but they somehow have the ability to pull out that little bit more than their competitors. And we're talking about their competitors being the best drivers in the world at that, you know, at that time. But some drivers just have it, it's, you know. What can you say? I mean, today it's probably, you know, Lewis Hamilton who's spent his whole entire life completely dedicated and it's a very different uh, thing today to when Sterling was going with no roll cages, no fire systems. I mean, when I started in uh, Formula One, 1968. My first race was uh, the South African Grand Prix, January of 1968 at Kailami in South Africa, and only half the drivers wore seatbelts because of the danger of fire. And so the danger back in those days and earlier with Sterling in particular, in his era, was very, very considerable. So many drivers were killed and hurt. And uh, it was a, and Sterling was very much the gentleman at all times. Then I think he gave up the world ch championship one time, didn't he? Formula One world champion because he gave his car to somebody else's. You know, I don't know the, the whole story on that, but he was certainly very much a gentleman. And he, he had a, an eye for the ladies, and they had an eye for him. Jonathan, I know that that was such a special thing for you. And I know there's a lot more to that video, too, that we're going to put up. And, and I want to yeah. hear your experience with Sterling Moss also. But we got to go to break. Let's go ahead and do that. And then when we come back, we'll continue that discussion. You listen to Speed City live from Austin, Texas. When you're looking for traditional Tex-Mex, look no further than an Austin favorite, one in a million. Serving original family recipes since 1980 and located just minutes from downtown at 2300 East Cesar Chavez, one in a million has your Tex-Mex fix every day of the week from 7 a.m. to 3 p.m. Breakfast is served all day. 
homemade migas, enchiladas, and menudo, and try the Don Juan taco. Some say it's big enough to feed a family of four. One in a million. Online at oneinamillion.com. At Circle Brewing, the belief is less is more when it comes to brewing a better beer. You won't find any chemicals or additives, only water, malt, hops, and yeast, and absolutely nothing else. Just simple ingredients and outstanding taste. It's German purity with Texas ingenuity. Find the brews on tap all over town in your favorite store or drop by the tap room at 2340 West Breaker Lane. Open Thursday and Friday nights and weekends. Log on to circlebrewing.com. Circle Brewing Company, born, bred, and brewed in Texas. Tune in is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. That clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. And even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. It's better over here. After investing billions to light up our network, T-Mobile is America's largest 5G network. Plus, right now, you can switch, keep your phone, and we'll pay it off up to $800. See how you can save on every plan versus Verizon and AT&T at T-Mobile.com slash across America. Up to four lines via virtual prepaid card. Allowed 15 days. Qualifying unlocked device credit service ported 90 plus days with device and eligible carrier and timely redemption required. Card has no cash access and expires in six months. Talk 13-7, the right choice. This is Willie T. Ribs, and you're listening to Speed City. Welcome back to the fastest hour in radio, Speed City. That was Willie T. Ribs giving your subwoofers a workout with his voice. <laughs> Hey, uh, I want to jump right back into the Sterling Moss discussion with his passing this last week. Jonathan, I know you met him and have your own experience with him. Yeah, he in fact, um, to be honest, he saved my career. Can, can you believe that? Um, <laughs> well, I was a, a cub reporter of about 22 uh, in England, and we covered, it was a news show like Sports Center, uh, but a British version, kind of copying ESPN. And so we did every sport and we had about six reporters and we all did different stories each day on, on different sports. And then the opportunity to do a motor racing story came along, the British Grand Prix. And of course, I put my hand up and said, I'll go, I'll go. Nobody else wanted to go. They didn't like motor racing. So off I went. Uh, and unbeknownst to me, the top British driver at the time, Nigel Mansell, had decided to retire from racing that day. And so then I suddenly had a major news story and my news editor's going, get me Nigel Mansell now. Da, 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 da. And I couldn't get Nigel. He wouldn't do any interviews. He wouldn't talk to the press. He was all fed up with life, uh, working for Ferrari like Vettel. So he was fed up. So he wouldn't talk to anybody. So suddenly out of the corner of my eye, I see the legend that is Sterling Moss. I said, please, Sir Sterling, can you do this interview? He sat there for 20 minutes and gave <laughs> me a world exclusive, which basically saved my career. So what a gentleman, what a star. And it was a really good interview because he knew all about retiring from Maserati, from Ferrari and everything else so perfect guy to talk to you know that's so that's such a sterling moss story though just like brian's where he went up to the track and this guy he didn't know who he was said yeah i'll take you around the track and, and the same thing with you he was such a gentleman yeah no question about it and back shameless plug here is brian redmond's book <laughs> daring drivers What's deadly it? tracks uh brian redmond with jim mullen a racing memoir of the dangerous decade 65 to 75 it's all in here Fantastic book. It's on motorsport.com, actually. Uh, download it. You've got time to read it now. <laughs> okay. Man, wasn't, yeah. Wasn't that the, the truth, the, the dangerous decade, though? I mean, oh, losing yeah. as many drivers as we did during that time. Yeah. They are, I mean, hey, very few got through. Hey, you have a, another video you want to play yeah. about Sterling Moss. Talk about well, that. I, like I said, I want to give Sterling as much reverence as possible because he's not as well known amongst the current modern Formula One fans. But... He, in the early 60s and late 50s, as he raced against Fangio, as you heard from Brian there, um, was probably the greatest driver not to win the world championship. But what he did do was win Monaco three times in a Maserati. And courtesy of Greenlight Television and, and their show um, Motorsport Mondial, we've got this little excerpt of uh, talking to, getting actual words from um, 
Sterling Moss when we went to the Monaco Historic a few years ago and Sterling was there. And so, too, he was reunited with the car that he won three times the Monaco Grand Prix. This week, motorsport fans worldwide mourned over the loss of Sir Sterling Moss OBE, one of the greatest racing drivers never to have won the World Championship. He was 90. He will be fondly remembered in the motorsport world and at the 2016 Monaco Historique, Alain de Cadenet sat with Sir Sterling and the car that he drove to victory three times on the streets of the Principality. Sir Sterling, it's 60 years ago to the very day today that you won the Monaco Grand Prix in this particular 250F Maserati. That, that must be an extraordinary feeling Absolutely sitting fantastic here. fantastic because it was a lovely car. I mean, the, this car was certainly the nicest handling of all Formula One cars. Really was terrific. Um, and of course, this is an ideal circuit for a car that handles well because you can drive around here on the throttle. And I, one thing I do remember, which is a bit unusual, and that is I decided to use a f only a four-speed box, although I did have a five normally, but I thought the four would be better better here because there's so many, you know, sharp corners. So, yes, oh, it brings back such so many memories. This was your own personal car. You bought it yourself, yeah. and as a privateer, you're up against factory teams, you, you won the race, and then, of course, you'd automatically dispose of the car when it was no longer competitive. But today, it, it's like the crown jewels, this Absolutely car. Absolutely incredible. Absolutely incredible. I mean, the Maserati, I must say, this, this was probably the nicest of all Formula One cars of any type. But having said that, it, 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 the circuit is so much, so meaningful, and the, the closest to the public. I mean, we get as close nearly as, as we are to here now, uh, at certain places. I think I heard you say once that you even had time whilst you were racing, driving round, to notice a pretty girl, perhaps, or two oh, in the going, stands. Yeah, that's going, no, that was actually going down, to, down towards the station, on the left-hand side down there. I can't remember the name of the place now, but there's always a very nice-looking girl down there with pale pink lips, if I remember. <laughs> <laughs> Monaco has always been, I think, very, very special place for you to come and race, and, and now just to be here. I mean, it is, always is. I mean, Monaco is the, is the greatest short circuit in the world. And the, the people and the whole atmosphere that's here, you drink it in and really enjoy it so much. But the one thing I regret is selling the car. Be worth a few million more than I paid for it. What an extraordinary car driven by an extraordinary man. Because behind the wheel around the streets of Monaco is how we should all remember the great Sir Sterling Moss OBE. Yeah, big loss in the motorsport world this week. But, uh, hey, guys, let's go ahead and take another break. And when we come back, we're going to talk a lot about the eSports that went on, the virtual racing, the Formula One virtual Grand Prix, the uh, IndyCar iRacing, and the NASCAR iRacing. You're listening to Speed City. We're live in Austin, Texas. Back after a quick break. Winding Road Racing is your first and best choice for all the essentials for a great weekend at the track. We're racers, and we love helping racers. With a full selection of racing gear in stock, get geared up with all the safety equipment needed to meet all the latest Snell FIA and SFI regulations. Outfit your car with a comprehensive lineup of racing necessities, and when you need to find a few more tents, turn to data acquisition systems from AIM Sports, V-Box, and others. Austin-based with shops in California, Georgia, and Kentucky. The source for all your racing needs. Winding Road Racing. WindingRoadRacing.com. Motivation USA, catering to the sport bike enthusiast looking for truly unique parts and accessories. Stand out from the crowd. Motivation is the exclusive North American distributor for SC Project MotoGP inspired exhausts and the largest Rizoma retailer in the United States. Get the best parts from around the world at the best prices with fast shipping and a knowledgeable staff ready to help. Shop online 24-7 at MotivationUSA.com. That's MotivationUSA.com. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice-cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. 
You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. and Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. A lot can happen between falling in love with a house and owning it. Having an advocate who can help you navigate negotiations, timelines, inspections, and more can make all the difference. That's what the expertise of a Realtor can do for you. Because that's who we are. Realtors are members of the National Association of Realtors. Talk 1370, the right choice. Hey, this is Clint Boyer, and you've been listening to Speed City. Welcome back to the fastest hour in radio, Speed City. Hey, welcome back. Les, I want you to talk about all of our local sponsors right now because, you know, with a shutdown and everything, everybody's got their own way of being open. Talk about some of these. Absolutely. You know, all, all of the uh, Speed City advertisers that are still on with us, I want to thank them. Uh, Juan and a Million, the uh, best breakfast taco in town. I uh, had one yesterday morning. Their orders are to go. So feel free to call, get an order going, pick it up and uh, take it home. We always say uh, tip hard and go home. Ducati <laughs> Austin is open, open for service. They are also arranging rides. They will pick up and deliver your bike as needed. Call in to those guys for appointments as well. Motivation USA, their headquarters and showroom here is closed, but they are still shipping. So absolutely, you got the bike in the uh, garage you're working on during this uh, quarantine, you can still order. They're shipping out every day, absolutely. Circle Brewing, you can't survive this quarantine without a little (laughs) alcohol in my book. So uh, Circle Brewing is serving beer to go. Uh, Go by and grab those. More speed. Hey, you're going to want that high-performance car ready to get out on the track, ready to get out and go enjoy it when we get the opportunity to get out and drive. Call More Speed for an appointment. Their front lobby is closed, but their service center is wide open. Plenty of space there to handle everything there. If you're ready to get back to the track, Winding Road Racing also is one of those. Uh, They've got the parts. If you've got cars in the shop right here that you're working on, Winding Road Racing can still deliver your parts to you and deal with that. So don't worry. Go to that online. They're shipping out every day. But uh, thanks again to all the Speed City Advertising family. We appreciate y'all being here for us, and we're trying to be here for you too. Nicely done, Les. That was like you re- pre-recorded that. That was awesome. <laughs> yeah, it was very nice. <laughs> hey, hey, guys, let's talk about some virtual racing because we had Formula One today. We had the virtual Grand Prix, and we had iRacing yesterday with IndyCar, and we had iRacing today with NASCAR. But let's start with the Formula One. What did you guys think? What, we'll start with you, Jonathan. Yeah, well, what a revelation um, Charles Leclerc is turning out to be. The interesting story is that his brother, Arthur, 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 um, is also an up-and-coming Formula 4 driver, but he is a big sim guy. And if you ask Charles uh, who's the better sim driver, he'd say his brother. So the fact that he's beaten everybody, some guys (laughs) who've got no sim experience, but also some current F1 drivers like Lando and Carlos Sainz, uh, pretty impressive, very impressive. But um, the whole thing's pretty impressive. I mean, I, I love the fact that the e-commentators who who do the sort of e-championship are so thrilled to be actually calling the real drivers. Uh, I get it. I get it. It's really cool for them because they, they usually call, you know, Fred Bot 92 you know. And so to actually be calling Lando Norris and watching him and actually seeing him race is really cool. Well, unfortunately, Lando didn't actually get to race today again? because... Well, again, he had, a, once again, he had a technical issue. And I don't know exactly what it was, but I was all I tuned out. Start calling Connor Daly. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. Uh, it's funny. He hasn't completed any, I don't think, a single one of the virtual Grand Prix. But but it was pretty cool, Jonathan, because you had Charles Leclerc, uh, Lando Norris, Alexander Albon, Giovinazzi, George Russell, Nicholas Latifi, and Carlos Sainz all racing in this. And that's the most they've had. So you had seven F1 drivers. And, of course, you had the, you know, you had the, uh, the British golf star. You had the Jimmy Broadbent, who's the, you know, the big streamer. And you had some other drivers, too, from in other series. But it was pretty cool. And, and I think that the, the only thing I didn't uh, love about it is that uh, they had some glitches early on in, in, uh, in the last couple of races. But, I mean, that's to be expected right now. But 
But I say, I we, we, we're supposed to start our Trans Am series today, and we got all excited. We did the ah. intro. We had all the drivers online all over the world, and then the server fell. So we're going to do it next weekend. So join I us know. There. Sorry, folks, if you try to tune in. I know. <laughs> that's not sponsored by somebody with a server. No. Yeah. That did that's not show up. By Amazon, yeah. Hey, uh, and but... by the way, John, just to let our viewers and fans know, uh, we'll be talking to the guy that finished 10th today, Nicholas Latifi of Williams Formula One. Um, and so next weekend, um, we'll get to see in real life what uh, Nicholas thinks of the whole setup and how he's getting on. But uh, to be honest, he's getting a lot of profile because, of course, he hasn't started his F1 career in anger yet, but he's getting to do some virtual races. I know. Yeah, he was he was moments away from starting his career, literally. But but yeah, but the uh, but the race itself was good. It was funny. You you get into it and you forget you're watching. But I think what you started with, Jonathan, was the biggest story of that race, and that is Charles Leclerc. He's not a big esports guy. He in fact he just started his Twitch account, and but he was so fast. And watching him, I mean, he was so intense the entire time. He was not one of those enjoyable twitch accounts to watch where he's talking and laughing and having a good time no he was very intense the whole time and and you know what that is the way to watch esports is what i do is i put the race on the big screen and i put the the twitch accounts i line them all up on on browser tabs and bounce between them because you can really get some insight about uh just you know if you if they put the the foot box up you can watch their feet but you can also just hear them talking with their spotters and stuff and some of them have a lot more interaction, but that's a pretty cool way to watch a race, too. Very true. You know, one of the things that uh, somebody asked me when we saw Lando putting his left foot on top of his right foot in one of the previous races, uh, why he was doing that. And I was talking about, well, he's actually, you know, resting his right leg and foot a little bit, keeping that other foot on top of it. And, you know, he doesn't have room to move the right foot away, so he just stacks them. And so it's interesting to see those kind of approaches that they deal with. And, uh, you know, really cool to see things that we just don't see or hear. Hey, I just saw somebody text me a question about this, about iRacing. And they're saying they are enjoying it, but they're saying, do you think they would ever add anything like this, any series, not necessarily Formula One, but any of these series, add it as part of their regular season with maybe some points or whatever involved? What do you guys think? Well, Formula One are actually doing that in terms of they have shadow E-teams, if you know what I mean. In other words, each Formula One team has a three-man E-team. So there right. is the, you know, the Force India or the Racing Point Formula One, you know, race team. And there's the Ferrari E-team uh, and so on and so forth. So these do exist. And there there have been some crossovers. They've certainly run the championships. Um, and there is at each Formula One event now a chance to get involved with this. So, yeah, I can see some confluence and especially in motorsport because it's, um, you know, it's probably the that's, easiest sport to do it with. But that's a little different from what I think what this question is. I mean, yeah, they've had that. And like I follow the Haas F1 esports e team, but they're saying, would it actually count towards the championship? You know, that's what they're asking. Would this be? You know, because like we've been talking about how this virus is changing our whole way of life, could it actually, you know, whether it's just one race or something, I don't know, it's just a thought. Yeah, well, it is a thought. the trouble is they all argue about their rigs because they'll all have different rigs. <laughs> Go yeah. ahead, Les. Yeah, I'm going to say probably not that it would wind up being a points-related uh, event. Probably so if they handed, if they handled it like the uh, Nissan Nismo Academy that we saw a few years ago, that actually took somebody, put them in a seat for testing. I could see it be, being considered as a ladder series, but uh, no, I don't think there's going to be points that'll relate to the F1 seat. Well, I'll tell you what, the one thing that might change that is, I'm just looking at my notes, is that how many people are watching this? This is really astounding. As you guys know, you've got Formula One now is on Sky, but it's also on ESPN2. In fact, it's they're doing a replay of it as we speak right now on ESPN2. The numbers, I saw some um, broadcast numbers from the esports events, and they are huge. I mean, and look at what NASCAR's done. They're on, uh, they're on primetime television, mm -hmm. and, and so is IndyCar. So, I mean, this is, there's some serious people, I mean, serious number of viewers watching it. Going back to your original 
uh, question from the uh, from the, from the what you got on text. You know, watching that NASCAR and the IndyCar, not so much the Formula One, but the way they've done it as a crossover between live television, using the actual commentators and and, and actually the resources of NBC and so on. Um, I think that could could easily turn into a real event uh, that people would genuinely get excited about. Um, uh, so, yeah, I mean, uh, and uh, I, I think if, if you do it with a combination of TV where you've got your production levels and you do the sim racing, that could work. Yeah, because working. go ahead, Les. Uh, I was actually texting with somebody this afternoon about it. And would they, as we watched some of the racing, it was like, you know, Les, honest question. Will you watch esports after this on a regular basis? I don't know that I'm there yet without the F1 drivers being there. Uh, you know, I don't know that I'm there without the IndyCar drivers or even the Trans Am drivers. I don't think I'm going to tune in to esports to watch the gaming world. Yeah, that was my thoughts, and and you know, I think it echoes a lot of folks. Well, and going back to Sterling Moss and his like for the ladies, um, I I don't know a girl in the world that is impressed when you say, "Hey, I'm an e-racer." <laughs> <laughs> you're, that's because hey, most say it from their mother's basement. That's, you're the wrong hey, demographic. <laughs> well, it, it was entertaining the whole weekend of it too, and yeah. uh, uh, let's let's talk about the uh, the IndyCar too, because my favorite, of course, to watch on uh, Twitch was Connor Daly, and I thought it was something really funny. He was talking about his heart rate during the race. He said his heart rate was up to over 160 beats. During the uh, during the I race, that's pretty amazing. That is pretty amazing. Albon yeah. was sweating today. Did you see how many yeah. times he wiped his face because of all the sweat? Yeah. So, and by all means, there is a lot of emotion caught up in this from a driver's standpoint. That they go through the heartbeat, they go through the sweats, uh, they finish up the race winded, even though there was no force upon them. You know, I loved in uh, one of the series today. We heard somebody added kitchen sponges behind their brake pedal to get the feel of the brake pedal the way they wanted. <laughs> and so, you know, it's those kind of things that come into play, but are they going to have that, uh, have that as a replacement? No, for me, yeah. it satisfies my motorsports and racing appetite a little bit right now, but I can't say it will once this quarantine's gone. I agree. Yeah. Hey, I want to talk about the NASCAR iRacing because did you guys see the uh, the back-to-back -back winner, uh, William Byron? And you know his background. He actually started his motorsports career in iRacing way back in the day. And that's how he got a lot. That's how he, he got good at racing is he had a huge background in iRacing, hundreds and hundreds of races apparently. So he's kind of like, I, I was thinking about it today. It's almost like when they bring in to – uh, to IndyCar or NASCAR, the guys that run the uh, run the, the the road courses, it's kind of a specialist. So he's almost like an iRacing specialist. Pretty cool. It is interesting somebody... when you have somebody with so much experience in both genres, if you will. Uh, so I'm curious. I mean, I, like I said, I enjoy talking to Connor and hearing about the take of did coming from a driver to the game have any value as opposed you know people say going from a game to a, being a driver does have value yeah well hey guys i want to talk about the real world of racing a little bit before we finish up and uh one thing i, I saw the story about mercedes chief wolf uh total wolf buying some stake in aston martin and i didn't get to read the story thoroughly but Les, you said you jumped on top of that what was the deal with that well the short version is yes he did buy into aston martin uh, it's going to equate to about 4%, but there's pr previous relationships between Aston Martin and Mercedes going back. It's rather convoluted. As I went back through the history, it was difficult to find out any real meat about it. Uh, but there obviously is a relationship somewhere back in there. There's rumors that Red Bull Racing is uh, potentially going to look towards Aston Martin again and what they're doing with that relationship. If that, if this is a precursor or indication of what Total Wolf wants for the team uh, to build upon that relationship, get even bigger. So we shall see. Uh, you got a question, you know, that, was it a good deal? Who knows? I think there's more in the future it's going to tell us. And I think we're going to see Aston Martin uh, even bigger in Formula One as far as the sponsor. 
Yeah. All right, guys. Well, we are out of time, but um, I, like you said, Jonathan, we're going to have uh, Nicholas Latifi on the show next week, get his take yeah. on all of this. And also next week, I think we're going to talk some more about what potentially the seasons could look like. Are we are we going to get, uh, you know, fanless racing and all that and what kind of you know potential we could see. So, all right. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in. Thanks for to uh, Colin Edwards coming on the show. Jonathan, say thanks to you, Brian Redmond for us. And uh, thanks, everybody, for, for tuning in. And we'll talk to you next week. Ciao, y'all. Stay safe. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.